0: From MPB Think Radio, this is In Legal Terms, the show all about you and your rights. I'm Sherita Brent here today with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest today is attorney Chris Graham from the law firm of Taggart, Rhymes, and Graham in Ridgeland. This morning we will talk about drones and drone law. What are drones used for? What can you do if someone is harassing you with a drone? Can you shoot it down? Do you need a license or registration to operate a drone? You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING with any questions you may have about drones and drone law this morning. The number is 877-672-7464 or send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back right after the news.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.
0: Welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is a show all about you and your rights. I'm Sherita Brent, here with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest today is attorney Chris Graham from the law firm of Taggart, Rhymes, and Graham in Ridgeland. This morning we're talking about drones and drone law. What are drones used for? What can you do if someone is harassing you with a drone? Can you shoot it down? Do you need a license and registration to operate a drone? You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about drones, drone law. The number is 877-672-7464 or send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Good morning to you, Professor Gershon. How are you today?
2: Doing great, Sharita. I hope you're doing well, and I'm so happy Chris Graham is on the show today. As you remember, we got a drone question last week. And all I could do was drone on about something I don't know much about. So we're really happy to have him uh, on this timely topic.
0: Yeah, there is a question about uh, the airspace above you and whether or not a a drone could be flown above that space. So we'll get into that today. Uh, Professor Gershon, it is the the mayoral election day here in in Jackson and some other wards are going to be voting as well. Do you have any advice for folks uh, about voting, Professor Gershon?
2: Well, just make sure you vote. I mean, the thing is, local elections probably have more impact on our daily lives than even the national election. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, who, you know, how our cities are managed and who we, we put in uh, positions to run our cities is really very important. Uh, we're very lucky that uh, we, we will have Robin Tannehill for sure here in Oxford. I think she's going to be a, a fantastic mayor, and that's why she was uh, unopposed.
0: Yeah. Um, Any other uh, news on the political or legal front? Um, I was just going through the headlines and um, I was reading a a quote by President Trump that says, our country needs a good shutdown and suggests uh, Senate rule changes. And so um, I don't know, the the partial government shutdown, did it happen or did it not happen?
2: It was averted, fortunately. And, and, you know, part of what I was happy to see was that the funding for uh, for national public radio, uh, it is and public broadcasting in general was preserved. So that's uh, that's exciting for 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 all, you know, for all. I'm really happy for all my friends who worked at MPB uh, because there was a concern that uh, that would be cut off uh, as part of the budget. So no, uh, you know I think they reached some compromises and 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 I think you know the Democratic Party is happy because they are. Uh, relevant uh, in these discussions i think I mean, most of the moderate republicans are happy because uh, you know they they got some concessions they wanted and and you know the for at least a few months anyway there's no shutdown uh, really truthfully shutdowns don't do anybody any good
0: yeah all right. Well, we'll have to keep an eye on that. And uh, as we mentioned, uh, our guest for today is Chris Graham, attorney, and he's going to be speaking with us about drones. And we'll be asking him some questions and trying to get some clarity on drones and what they are. And I'm going to mute this computer. Uh, Chris, I, I, these computers get on my nerves. As soon as you go to a website, it starts playing an ad or a video or something when you're just trying to read an article. So if you heard that noise, that's what that was, this thing playing an automatic ad. let <laughs> we'll to talk about that on Everyday <laughs> Tech tomorrow. But good morning to you, Chris. Thank you for being in today. Hey,
3: good morning. Thanks for having me.
0: So tell us a little bit about how you got into this area of drone law. Is this a a newer area of law?
3: Well, it's it's a developing area. Uh, Of course, aviation law has been around as long as there have been uh, aviators and and, uh, hot air balloons. Um, I got into it. I've always been involved in aviation. I took my first flying lesson when I was 14 and have been involved in it since then. And uh, with the birth of my first child, my wife and I started looking at ways for me to uh, adapt my hobby to uh, a more forgiving uh, (laughs) uh, version of aviation and kind of got into drones um, and uh, remotely operated vehicles that way.
0: So my initial uh, introduction to drones was uh, in a military way. So I would hear about drones in the news, and uh, and it was always associated when I heard the word drones, I heard the word uh, bombs, or there was some kind of political twist to it. But that's not all that drones are. So could you just give us a a general definition about what are drones?
3: Yeah, that's right. Uh, And and with most of the drone articles that you read over the past few years, especially going back Two years or more. Just about any time you would see a, a drone news story, there'd be a picture of a Predator firing a, a Hellfire missile at something. But what we're talking about here today, um, drones. The, the technical definition is the uh, drones are part of an unmanned aircraft system, or UAS. You might also hear them called UAVs for unmanned um, aerial vehicle. Um, it's made up. The UAS is made up of the unmanned aircraft and the equipment necessary for the safe and efficient operation of that aircraft. So um, it's defined by statute as an aircraft. Uh, an aircraft is operated without the possibility of direct human intervention from within or on the aircraft. And what we're talking about when we talk about drones are the small UAVs that are typically between 0.55 pounds and 55 pounds, and they're primarily the battery-powered quadcopters and small fixed-wing aircraft you see in hobby shops and toy stores. And uh, there are some drones over 55 pounds that are operated by hobbyists and commercial operators and public agencies. But for the most part, they aren't something the average person
0: comes into contact with very often. So do you own a drone?
3: I have several,
0: actually, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> so what do you use yours for, if you don't mind sharing?
3: Uh, mostly uh, for commercial work. I use it for uh, mapping and um Uh, some some forestry work to manage some land that we have uh, in north mississippi and uh and actually when i'm leaving here uh, as soon as i leave here today i'm going to a a job site uh, where we're using it for a physical security audit
0: okay so in in general what are some things that that drones are used for
3: well if you if you google drones and and click on the news tab you'll see something new just about every day the early commercial adopters of drones were photographers and videographers but news organizations, public safety agencies, growers, utility companies, um, they've all started using them using them regularly, uh, doing everything from scouting crops to locating lost hikers to inspecting cell towers and other hard-to-reach or dangerous-to-access infrastructure. Um, NOAA has a UAS program uh, that has studied using drones to conduct post-disaster damage assessments, for instance, after a tornado or hurricane. And Homeland Security recently announced starting a program in Mississippi that will look at first responder and, and other public safety use of drones.
0: So since this is a, an area that is developing, what are some legal concerns when it comes to drones, um, especially that affect everyday people that they may need to know about?
3: Well, uh the, the first thing you need to know if, if uh, you're going to be using a drone is what law is going to apply to you, and that, that's going to depend on how you're using the drone. There's, there's no way, uh, no matter how you use your drone or what you're doing with it, there are federal regulations that are going to apply to those flights. And if you're using the drone strictly for recreational or hobbyist use, uh, there's one set of laws, there's another if you're using it commercially, and then there's another... If you're uh, a public uh, or government agency using them. So uh, primarily the the hobbyists are the biggest group of users currently, and uh, there are no pilot requirements for that. You don't have to take a test for it, but you have to register your drone if it weighs more than 0.55 pounds. Uh, Generally, you don't want to be near airports, but if you are, you must notify those airports and air traffic control uh, within five miles. If you're operating within five miles of those airports, you have to stay away from all manned aircraft, keep your drone in what's called visual line of sight, which means it can't go around a building or behind a tree. You have to be able to see it at all times, and it can't go so far away from you that that it disappears from sight. Uh, and you have to follow uh, community-based safety guidelines like uh, the uh, AMA or, or other such organizations organizations like that. If you're operating commercially, and this is an area that's been growing uh, very rapidly, uh, I don't have the latest stats w- with me, but I believe there's more than 50,000 people that have taken the Part 107 test, which is the commercial operator's license, and uh the there's around i think a 91 percent pass rate on that test um the the commercial operators um they do a lot of different things but you have to pass an faa test it's a written test you don't have to go uh, through flight training like you would for flying a manned aircraft where actually you're piloting things or doing a practical exam you have to be over 16 you have to undergo tsa uh, security screening and you have to Register the drone if it's between 0.55 pounds and 55 pounds and, and uh, undergo a pre-flight uh, checklist and several things like that. There's a, They're a little bit more complicated when it gets to the operating rules. Uh, generally, uh, you want to stay below 400 feet. It needs to be during the day. Again, you have that visual line of sight rule, and you want to go less than 100 miles an hour. You're not supposed to be over people uh, or moving vehicles. And then the the final category is... The public operations and uh, public operators for public aircraft operations can self-certify their crew, so they don't have to take a test either, or they can operate under the 107 rules.
0: Okay, that's uh, interesting, especially the the registration part there. Uh, So who is in control of or responsible for regulating these drone laws? The policemen? Is there a special force uh, for those individuals if you see folks violating things like flying a, a drone over people or moving vehicles uh, what can be done if if those rules are being violated
3: well the the first thing to do um, if, if someone has a drone and they're they're bothering you with it uh, you know different people have a different tolerance level for for those sorts of things um, but if if you can try to identify the operator and, and try to have a non-confrontational discussion with them about what they're doing and why, um, that's the first step. Uh, the assumption, especially in a residential area, seems to be that the drone is there to spy on you. Uh, but if it's a commercial operator, all they want to do is get up, inspect whatever they need to inspect and get back down as fast as they can because they're trying to run a profitable business. Um, and, uh, you know, in most cases where there have been problems, there have been recreational operators who were not using common sense or not uh, being sensitive to the fact that someone might not want a drone hovering over their backyard. But in most of those cases, simply having a polite conversation is enough to make them aware that not everyone thinks the technology is as cool as they do. And uh, for f- persistent problems, though, or whenever someone's operating recklessly or dangerously, uh, your first step is to call local law enforcement, and they'll take – whatever action they deem to be appropriate and, and likely get the FAA involved.
0: Professor Gershon, did you have any additional comments right now?
2: Well, Shabita, we just went off the air for a few minutes up here in Oxford, but uh, no, oh. I don't. I think Chris is doing great and uh, really appreciate his insights.
0: Oh, so you probably didn't hear much of that conversation.
2: We, we lost <laughs> you for a few minutes, but, uh, he, I mean, really, this everything he's saying is uh, is so timely. I will say, you know, one of the things that we have here at the university is a graduate law program uh, in aviation and space law. And in fact, we're the only law school in the country in the United States that has that program. And uh, one of the things that they're starting to, to look at very, very carefully is, besides satellites, is, is drone. I mean, that certainly is part of aviation. So we're really pleased to have Chris uh, uh, today. Glad to be here.
0: All right, we're going to take a quick break and when we get back we'll continue talking about drones and drone ball. We'd love to hear from you listeners. Do you own a drone? Are you interested in owning one and you want to know the process of making that happen? You can give us a call. Uh, do you have any concerns about drones in your personal space? Give us a call 877 MPB ring. That's 877672. 7464 with any questions or comments you may have about drone or drone law. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back right after this break. Welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent, here today with Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And our guest today is attorney Chris Graham from the law firm of Taggart, Rhymes and Graham in Ridgeland. This morning we are talking about drones and drone law, talking about the use of drones and regulations that... Go along with them. If you're listening this morning and you have any questions or comments about drones, we'd love to hear from you. Do you own a drone? Let us know uh, how and why you operate one. Do you have any concerns about the use of drones? You can give us a call, 877-MPB-RING is the number. Currently, all our lines are open. We'd love to hear from you this morning, eight seven seven six seven two seven four six four 7464 or send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. So, um, uh, Attorney Graham, last week we had a call from a person who was asking about their overhead space, so their private space above their home, and and they were wondering about drones being flown above that space. So what are the rules there as far as the air and, and what's owned by an individual and what's not and who has the right to fly what over your space?
3: Well, the FAA's position is that they own everything from a blade of grass up. And uh, this goes back uh, a a few years to a 1946 case called U.S. v. Cosby. that involved a chicken farmer who was located near a military airport. And every time the planes would take off or land, his chicken would be frightened and fly into the walls, killing or injuring themselves. And Cosby argued that this was a compensable taking under the Fifth Amendment. And the old law that applied uh, was referred to as the ad colium doctrine, which basically stated that to whomever the soil belongs, he owns also to the sky. So a landowner owned the land, everything directly uh, above him all the way into space. Uh, But the court came in and ruled that the doctrine had no place in the modern world. For instance, you know... uh, uh, airliners can't stop at every house they fly over and ask for permission and uh, you know a state can't come in and say airplanes are too loud and they can't fly in our airspace unless it's above thirty thousand feet or something like that you know you would some airplanes can't go that high and they'd have to fly around the state to go from one place to another but uh, they said it made more sense that the landowner owned at least as much space above the ground as he can occupy or use in connection with the land so uh if if something flies into that space so low and so frequent as to be a direct and intermediate uh, immediate interference with the enjoyment and use of the land those are treated in the same categories as invasions of the surface so that's that's kind of the the property angle or the uh the the airspace rights angle and then the the other side of, of who controls the airspace well you know Airspace navigation is the exclusive province of the FAA is the short answer.
0: Okay. Um, so you talked earlier about community-based guidelines. For something like this that is so new, drone laws and uh, the, the, the development of drones, and there are so many different kinds out there, how would a community go about uh, building guidelines creating guidelines for something like this, like maybe in a, in a specific neighborhood? How would they go about making rules at all?
3: well the the community based guidelines that the FAA is referring to are for national organizations like um, the 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 Model Aircraft association and uh, they've been around for a very very long time and operated uh, without any problems up until the point that drones came along and then everyone could uh, suddenly afford to start flying around in the national airspace and uh, their levels of expertise. Varied greatly from uh, the average modeler who spends hundreds or thousands of hours building their plane and goes and flies it for ten minutes and crashes it, and then has to go back and build it again. They're just a little more deliberate about the way that they fly, in my experience. So um, the the community based guidelines that they're referring to there are uh, guidelines like the AMA, and uh, you can you can pull those up online. Hey, Chris, I mean, really, when when it comes to
2: a company like Amazon, though, Amazon's going to be Uh, delivering with drones apparently they've already started in some places uh and you know what if uh you know i want to have them deliver to my house but but my neighbors uh have issues and you know can my could my city or my state regulate amazon's use of the airspace to uh to to deliver uh by drone
3: yeah and that's that's just like uh that goes back to the the question of preemption and and uh who who controls the airspace and and navigable airspace uh the airlines again don't have to ask for permission and if amazon's delivery service is going to work some some argue that you need that same level of preemption that they need to be able to fly from point directly from point a to point b and not dodge around uh, patchwork quilt of houses that have banned it or even neighborhoods uh, who've Who've banned it? So, there's uh, that's one of the areas uh, of law that's unsettled that's going to have to be figured out. You're going to have to figure out whether uh, cities uh, or even homeowners associations can uh, ban drone flights at certain altitudes. And uh, but, but I, I think that what you'll see is a lot of the low altitude regulation ceded to uh, state and local government and altitude. At a certain level, and I'm just kind of throwing this out there, four or five hundred feet, that is going to be reserved, or maybe even higher, that will be reserved for things like delivery drones, because that's that's not coming really soon, but that is coming.
0: 877-MPB-RING is the number. If you want to join the conversation this morning, we are talking about drones and drone law. We'd love to hear from you this morning, listeners. Do you own a drone? Tell us why. Do you use it for recreational or commercial purposes? Uh, Also, do you have any concerns about drones? Do they make you fearful in some way? 877-MPB-RING is the number. We do have all our lines currently open. If you want to join the conversation, give us a call and let us know that our phones are working because we're halfway through the show. Haven't gotten any calls yet, but we'd love to hear from you. 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org if you have any questions or comments about drones this morning. Um, So, uh, Chris, could you talk a little bit about, well, I've, just looking at the news, uh, people are worried that a drone might actually fall on their head. Um, Have you heard of this happening at all, drones falling down on people and physically harming them? And if it does, what can be done about that
3: well that has happened um i'm aware of one case in england and one in uh, seattle but uh there there was a recent study that just came out that was published i think last week that analyzed the uh the chance of injury from a a falling drone and that was conducted uh, by the faa center of excellence which is actually located here in mississippi uh, and it, it found that basically your your chance of being injured from a falling drone was much less uh, than was originally thought because of the way the drone's uh, manufactured and, and uh, engineered. When it hits something, it tends to break apart and absorb the energy from the fall. So your your chances of being injured, and I, I didn't comb through for the exact uh, stats, but uh, one that stuck in my mind was your chance of being injured from an, a Phantom 3 uh, quadcopter falling on you was a point zero three percent chance of head injury. So if one of those things uh, does fall on you, uh, there have been lots and lots of laws across the country passed in state uh, legislatures regarding drones um, from all the way from police use to general privacy to almost outright bans. But uh, for the most part, the laws that are on the books already handle those sorts of things. If a drone falls on your head, uh, general negligence law applies uh, to those people or uh, criminal mischief or uh, reckless endangerment charges can be brought. I believe in the Seattle case, the drone uh, fell on someone and the operator was arrested and uh, given 30 days jail time. So there are, there are certainly plenty of laws already in place uh, to handle uh, any kind of accidents.
2: Well, um, you know, I was surprised to see that there's actually you can get drone insurance, uh, apparently, and not that expensively. Um, I've seen prices ranging from $40 to over 2000 depending on what someone's doing. But I guess, you know, if someone was concerned about their, you know, value, there's one thing for the person being hit by the drones. The other thing about the person operating the drone uh, concerned that they may cause damage, uh, you can actually buy insurance.
3: That's right, and and sometimes your your homeowner's policy might even cover it. You need to check your your CGL or your homeowner's policy, and uh, if aircraft are excluded under those policies, make sure that drones are are, are covered. Uh, there are several carriers that specialize in writing drone policies, and most will cover just about anything legal you want to do. Uh, almost all uh, reputable commercial operators have uh, at least. 500 to a $1 million in liability. There's, there's also an app called uh, Verify that you can use if you want coverage for a limited time or location. You can buy, I think, as little as an hour uh, of coverage or up to a day with it.
0: We do have a call to get to. Uh, Ali is in South Haven with a question. Good morning to you, Ali. What do you have for us today?
4: Hey, uh, so I've really been interested in the proliferation of drones uh, by you know, normal people in the last couple of years. And so I'm wondering, uh, as a hobbyist, how do you, or as a prospective hobbyist, how do you get into it? I don't want to go spend a thousand dollars on something that I'll use once or twice and then put it back in the closet. Uh, how do you kind of ease your way into it and, and know if it's something that you really want to invest time and money into?
3: Well, uh, you don't have to spend nearly that amount to, uh, to kind of test the water, As there are models now? The it's it's kind of uh, like Moore's law with computers that the the technology is increasing very very rapidly, and the right, capabilities right, right. are, and the prices are coming down. So they now have uh, drones for just a couple hundred dollars. You can get that'll give you a live seven twenty uh, HD feed that you can and you can fly around and take pictures with. So okay. uh, that's you. I would suggest that, but you can also get Models that you could uh, that you could do commercial grade work with for a thousand dollars so um, yeah,
4: so can you give me the name of a, of a specific uh, type of drone that you say is you know a couple hundred bucks
3: off the top of my head i I do mostly the commercial stuff, so I don't do a lot of um, hobby drone work, but uh, if you if you do a search on the internet for top ten hobby drones you'll you'll quickly see uh, lots of different options out there. Okay. Very good. Thank you very much. Good luck. Thanks, Ali. Thank you, Ali. Chris, I,
2: just a question about one, one concern I have is more and more people are getting involved in drones. Of course, they can uh, do video or, or do photographs, and that, that's, that's great. That can give you a lot of different perspectives. But what about privacy? Are there issues, you know, let's say a drone is, uh, you know, peering in somebody's bedroom window and taking pictures that they may not want uh, taken, Do people have any privacy rights?
3: Yeah, and that kind of goes back to what I was saying about the existing laws out there. Um, The Mississippi's, as far as under their only uh, drone law, actually deals with voyeurism and, uh, you know, the the best laws out there are technology agnostic and what, what i mean by that is that it regulates the behavior and not some sort of new technology or instrumentality because you can't you, you don't know where technology is going to go nobody under nobody thought that drones would be where they are now and moving this fast so you've got nuisance laws you've got assault and battery laws stalking laws uh, criminal mischief and reckless endangerment all those are already on the books that that can be used uh, so adding the word drone to it doesn't doesn't really change anything the behavior is already illegal and the voyeurism statute we have is a perfect example it goes through and says that you know if you look through a window or something like that um and and use an instrumentality including but not limited to and then they name all these different things periscopes telescopes uh mobile phones drones are in there and um, if you look into an area basically where someone has a reasonable expectation of privacy with the intent to invade that privacy, then you're, you're guilty. So if you take drone out of that statute, and for that matter, mobile phone and Periscope, you, you still have the same law there. It's still the, the behavior that's illegal. Uh, so so that, that would be illegal, and it's, it's uh, illegal under laws we already have on the books.
0: All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue the conversation about drones and drone law. Listeners, we'd love to hear from you this morning. Do you own a drone? Are you interested in owning a drone and you want to know what the rules and regulations are? Do your children operate drones and you want to make sure that they are within the their rights to fly a drone? You can give us a call. Do drones concern you at all? You want some clarity on drone laws in your own personal space? Give us a call, 877-MPB-RING. We do have all our lines open 877-672-7464 or send an email to legalterms at We'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sherita Brent in studio with attorney Chris Graham from the law firm of Taggart, Rhymes and Graham in Ridgeland. Also joining us, Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. And today we are talking about drones and drone laws. We're talking about regulations and standards. And if you have any questions or comments about drones, maybe you own one, you're thinking about owning one, you want to know your rights. If you have any concerns about your children operating drones, give us a call. If you have any general concerns about drones and safety, you want some clarity, want to clear some things up, give us a call this morning. The number is 877-MPB-RING. We do have some lines open and plenty of time for you to join the conversation. 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. We're going to get to Manuel and Robert in just a second. Um, Over the break, Chris, we were talking about this potential bill that was uh, uh, posed in Connecticut. So they were thinking about uh, having weaponized drones. So if there was a hostage situation and they were thinking about weaponizing a drone and they could use it from the air to, uh, you know, cease the threat below by using a drone which sounded really scary and video-like to me, but you were saying that it had been um, it had been defeated on yesterday.
3: That's right. Yeah, yesterday that that got killed. So and uh, that that is uh, that's a really bad idea. Uh, weaponizing drones, uh, and the the first thing that comes to mind is the fact that it it might not might not work the way you want it to. If someone hacks the drone and turns it around back on you, or, or hacks it and, and goes after somebody else, I, I just don't you know. With the technology at its current state, uh, that that's just that's a bad idea, and that's a very uh, that made national news, as I would expect it to, but that is they are definitely in the minority. I'm not aware of a single other law enforcement agency uh, that or, or a single other state that is trying to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounded really scary. And you raise a good point there about it being hacked. Um, so that is something to think about as well for for folks that are drone hobbyists. Could their drones be hacked as well?
3: They could be. I haven't really heard too many – well, I haven't heard any instances of that happening just to an average user. I know there are several uh, of the uh, institutions of higher learning around the country that have done studies on GPS spoofing and hacking into the uh, control links for drones uh, and have been able to do that. So I think it would depend on your level of expertise, but it's, it's at least theoretically possible.
0: All right, uh, we have a few calls to get to. We're going first to Manuel, who's in Cleveland, with a comment. Good morning to you.
5: Good morning, how are you guys? Doing great. Good morning. All right, I just got a, a comment here. Um, you had a call, a previous caller, he was asking about, if anyone had suggestions about a drone that would work for him. Within that $200 mark, that would be a drone, too, for that caller. Okay. And that other comment is that parental concerns um, with kids who use drones. Uh, we just need to be parents and be more cautious about what our kids are doing with them. My grandmother calls me every day. She's got neighbors; they got them, their children, two of them for Christmas last year, and she's terrified. She can't go out in the yard. They're flying over her, all around, or any place else. Yep. <laughs> I get these calls every day after school. So we just want to be parents and be, you know, show more concern when, I, when it comes to our kids, what they're doing with these drones. That was just my comment.
0: Thank you so much, Manuel. That's interesting because I, I, too, get afraid when things are flying over my head, whether it be a fly or plane or drone or anything. So uh, any thoughts on that, uh, Attorney Graham?
3: Well, first of all, it's illegal to do that. So they shouldn't be doing that. That uh, could be considered careless or reckless operation, which subjects them to uh, liability, uh, criminal and civil liability. So that's that's just a bad idea. Uh, and, you know, it's dangerous. They, they shouldn't be flying over people's heads. I don't know what kind of drone they're flying, but uh, the, uh, the the regulations for both hobbyists and commercial operators prohibit that. You have to have a special waiver in order to uh, fly over somebody's head. I think the, uh, the only group I know off the top of my head that has that is CNN, and they have a special drone that is built uh, – so that if it falls on somebody, it won't hurt them. It has a parachute on it and all kinds of neat stuff.
0: Oh, okay. Now, this is a pretty blunt question, but I think it is uh, reasonable to ask. If someone felt threatened by a drone flying over them, could they shoot it down?
3: The short and long answer is no. Uh, The the shooting down a drone, the main problem with shooting down a drone, aside from it being illegal, is that a damaged drone isn't necessarily going to go down. It could just as easily go straight up or sideways until that battery dies, it breaks apart, or it hits an aircraft. So there are some very complicated electronics on board those drones, which tell it where it is and how high it is and what its motors are doing. And if they are damaged, the pilot can no longer control the aircraft. All bets are off at that point. Uh, the batteries also, when they're damaged, tend to have a, a, a tendency to catch fire or explode. So you have to think about you know, a couple steps down the road, you know, what's going to happen to you if you shoot a drone and it crashes into a house and it burns it to the ground? Or the drone crashes and starts a wildfire that burns several houses? And what if a homeowner or a firefighter is killed? You know, the law, I think, is going to change uh, to allow bringing down or denying access to drones and counter U.S. technology is going to be really big. Uh, but but don't shoot them down. A drone might be annoying to some people, but a damaged drone is a potential danger to everyone around it. And if you're the reason that the drone goes from being merely annoying to something that's now dangerous, you're going to have a problem if there's a bad outcome.
0: All right, thank you, Manuel, for that call. We're going next to Robert, who's in Columbus with a question. Good morning to you, Robert. Oh,
5: hey, good morning. Hey. Uh, thank you for taking my call.
0: Mm-hmm. What's your question?
5: Well, I have a, I guess, a comment and a question. I'm sort of approaching this from the other side of the industry. I'm a military. And an airline pilot. And I'm not really staying up to date or following legislation, but I'm sort of curious about enforcement. Um, uh, Graham had mentioned uh, the FAA and the airspace. What I'm primarily concerned about, I think drones are fantastic and realtors and all sorts of applications and in commercial industry are finding it to be very useful. But I'm concerned about obviously airspace uh, usage and particularly the the Class D airspace surrounding airports um, while aircraft are departing and arriving. And uh, what I'm interested about is enforcement. We're having trouble with people using lasers to shine aircraft and only in large metro areas with with large police forces do they have the resources to actually go after the people on the ground who are doing that. When you get out into smaller cities and rural areas, there's just not enough people on the ground, law enforcement, to uh, to try to stop or capture folks who are using lasers in a dangerous manner. It would seem to me that if drones had the option to have you know, serial numbers attached to several parts of, of the equipment, if a drone impacts an airplane, breaks apart, falls to the ground, if a serial number could be captured, it could be traced back to a registration and then eventually to a user... That could then be brought you know, to legal action. And I'm curious if there's any legislation or thought about doing something like that uh, in the works.
0: Okay, excellent questions, Robert. And I think if I heard you say you're a military p- pilot, I'd like to personally thank you for your service. Um, okay, Attorney Graham, any thoughts on that? I did see a story out there about they were pursuing serial numbers for drones and some potential regulations. That, that's
3: right, and, and um, he highlights several really good points here and uh, a couple of different things. For one, if your drone weighs more than 0.55 pounds, between 0.55 and 55 pounds, you have to register it. And uh, the serial numbers that you're talking about are required to be located on the drone. The The other thing that's in the works is uh, remote ID for drones and being able to identify those drones in real time as they're flying around and who who's operating them. That technology is in the works and it's coming. Uh, there's a strong push for that right now. So, the we're kind of in the wild west days on that and we we have a problem you know part of the preemption argument is we got the FAA that's preempting a lot of this uh uh you know the the airspace and their the ability to regulate that airspace but they don't have all the enforcement officers there to go out and, and enforce all these rules so it's falling on local law enforcement and uh it's the same problem with the lasers uh you sometimes you can find them and sometimes you can't but the, the drones uh, eventually we get to the point where they can be ID'd. And, and as far as uh, what you're talking about, you know, a lot of that can be helped through education. Um, there's the FAA's uh, No Before You Fly app. You can download that on your smartphone. As soon as you open it up, it tells you if you're near an airport, if you need to contact the airport before you fly. If you're in controlled airspace like Class uh, D airspace or anything like that, there's there are airspace maps that actually have just been released. There are some for Hattiesburg and one for Macomb that shows you the altitudes uh, that you can get clearance for to fly in those airspace uh, airspaces. But if you don't have clearance to fly in controlled airspace from the FAA, you you cannot fly there as a commercial or government operator. If you are a hobbyist and you, you are required to contact the tower and tell them that you want to operate in that area, and they can't, they can't prohibit you from doing it, but they can tell you that you shouldn't and that it's not safe, and that can be used as evidence that you've engaged in careless or reckless operation. And, again, you're, you're getting into criminal and civil liability at that point.
0: All right, Robert, thank you so much for your call. We really appreciate it. Um, we have an email. This one that says, this is from Ryan, is there any anti-drone software or area access denial hardware?
3: There is, and the only people who can legally use it, I believe, are the FCC and Do and Secret Service. Okay. So, because the way that stuff works is you're you're effectively jamming the signal uh, of the drone, and uh, that's illegal to, mm-hmm. to do that for you or me.
0: Okay. Uh, We need to take a quick break, and we have a few calls to get to. Timothy, Mikey, and Mike, we'll take this break. 877-MPB-RING is the number if you want to join the conversation. We're talking about drones. Uh, The the legal, the legality is about operating them. 877-MPB-RING is the number, or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back right after this break.
1: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand.
0: And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent joined in studio today by attorney Chris Graham from the law firm of Taggart Rhymes and Graham in Ridgeland, and on the phone with us, Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law. Today, we've been talking about drones and drone laws. We have a few calls to get to before we wrap up the show. We're going first to Timothy in Louisiana. Good morning to you, Timothy. What do you have for us today?
4: Well, I'm wondering if you own the airspace over your house to a certain height. I mean, I own the soil and the
0: mineral rights.
3: Don't I have an airspace right? Okay. The w- We've talked a little bit about that already, and, and generally you own what you can use, uh, but you, you don't own up to any certain altitude. There's no bright line rule for the altitude that you, you own above your house. Oh, boy,
4: howdy. Well, that explains them crop dusters,
3: you
0: know, at, at 35 feet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there it is. Oh,
4: I, I, by the way, I love the, uh, the Dragnet
0: intro. That's cool. <laughs> thank you, Timothy. We appreciate All it. All right. Thank you, Rita. Have a good one. You too. Thanks for your call. Okay. Go ahead, Professor Thank, thank you, Timothy. Uh, I just, Chris,
2: it seems to me that, you know, the, the case that really decided airspace was an old, old case. And, you know, that gave the FAA complete control uh, do you think that there's any chance a case like that could ever be overturned given the fact that back in 1946 it was really only commercial airliners a few private uh, you know planes but you know now airspace is so crowded with lots of different things and you know people i think are concerned what about well, you know, we kind of gave away that ownership of our airspace pretty pretty quickly uh is there any chance that something like that could could
3: change oh, I think absolutely it will um, i don 't think there's any question it's going to change with uh, with the introduction of drones and not just the the airspace that you own but also uh, Fourth Amendment law search and seizure stuff uh, all that 's based off of manned aircraft and and helicopters and, uh, and drones function you know those I think the last helicopter case I saw was four hundred feet, and that was in the eighties and drones function best below that altitude so getting getting in even closer uh, so i say I, we're definitely in for some new case law across the board
0: all right couple more calls to get to mikey is in mobile with a question good morning to you mikey what do you have for us today
5: um i don't know i hope it's not paranoia okay <laughs> um but this is this is sounding pretty alarming to me you can't uh, the things that are under five and a half pounds aren't even registered, and those are the ones that are most likely to be in the hands of kids. Kids that we protect with booster seats until they're almost old enough to, to apply for a driver's permit.
3: Well, they, they, their, their
5: judgment their judgment is is not that of an adult, and uh, you know, and we have no law enforcement to. Uh, that's overseeing or can enforce any of this stuff. And um, how do you protect yourself? I mean, I've just upgraded, you know, curtains uh, to try to, uh, I mean, what do you do?
3: Well, parents certainly have a role uh, in monitoring what their children are are, are doing with with drones. But the the five-and-a-half-pound cutoff that you mentioned is, is actually uh, it's actually point five five. so something that weighs uh, around two sticks of butter is uh, the, the, the what they give as an example oftentimes uh, anything that weighs more than that has to be registered you have to uh, go on the faa's website enter your information your name and your address your contact information and they they give you a registration number if you're a hobbyist that registration number you can take and you put on every drone that you own if you're a commercial operator you get a separate registration number for each drone that you fly, but um, so yeah, I, I, uh, I sympathize with your concerns, and uh, I, I certainly don't want these things buzzing around over my head or my backyard or uh, looking in my window. But uh, uh, that you know, for the for the most part, given the number of drones that are out there and the number of flight hours that there have been, uh, there are relatively very few reports of that.
2: Thank well,
0: Chris, you for that call, Mikey. Go ahead, Professor
2: Gershenson. I was going to say too. I mean, I, I really appreciate that that insight because, you know, I'm I'm more concerned, honestly, in my neighborhood with with kids under 10 driving golf carts around the neighborhood uh, on the roads, and and I agree. I think you know parents need to get get more involved in that. It seems like oftentimes they're encouraged to use those golf carts. I think they can cause more damage to themselves and to, and to neighbors than if they're playing with uh, with small uh, air air drones.
0: Thank you, Mikey, for that call. We're going to go to Mike in Jackson, who has a question. Good morning to you, Mike.
2: Hey. Um,
4: okay, so here's my thing. I've uh, purchased a just a standard hobby helicopter, like a one meter span helicopter, and um, but it weighs in at probably about seven pounds. Uh, I got this thing probably eight or ten years ago. You know, thing um, with me and the 0. .055 pounds if I'm hovering this thing in my yard, less than fifty feet, maybe, um, just it, it's so big. I hate to take it up and break it; it's kind of expensive. Um, but should I be concerned? Um, you know, if I've got a couple acres of lot with no trees, not, you know, and I mean, I'm not taking it really high over people's houses or anything like that, um, and it rarely comes out. Um, what, do you, what do you think, man? Con-
3: concerned about what?
4: Um, just I don't know. It, it, I know it's above the. The newest, the newer drone, I don't even know how old these laws are, and I've kind of been a hobbyist for quite a while, service models and fixed wings and everything else. Um, now that um, the new laws are in place, um, you know, I guess my only concern would be a neighbor or something. But um, you're saying that if I were to go and, and get registration for a certain type of drone or a certain thing, then I could basically just put it on all my aircraft and be, be,
3: be okay yeah that's right and if you're operating any kind of unmanned vehicle in the in the air you're operating under federal law you're either going to be under the hobbyist rules, the commercial rules or uh government rules if you're acting on, uh, as a government agency so it sounds to me like what you're doing is operating under the hobbyist rules. The easiest thing for you to do you're, you're required to register anything above point five five pounds uh so it, that, your your aircraft definitely qualifies you need to it's really easy. Um, just do a search for the FAA, you know, register my drone. The FAA's website will pop up. It costs $5, and they'll give you a registration number, and you can put it on all your model aircraft, and you'll be covered. But if you don't, you're, again, subject to some pretty steep fines.
0: All right, Mike, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. And uh, that's going to wrap us up for today. Attorney Graham, thank you so much for being on today. Is there a a website or something where people can go to find out more about drones and drone law?
3: Yeah, definitely. Go to faa.gov forward slash UAS, and uh, just about any question you got can be answered there. And if not, give me a
0: call. Sounds good. Thank you so much for being on today. We enjoyed you. And Professor Gershaw, thank you for being on as well. If you want to subscribe to the In Legal Terms podcast, you can go to mpbonline.org slash In Legal Terms, and there's a subscribe, subscribe button on the right. Also, you can use any of your podcast apps and subscribe to us that way as well. Thanks to Jay White for being the board operator this morning. Kevin Farrell was the call screener. Stay tuned. Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Butchers is coming up next right here on MPB Think Radio. Oh,